Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 401. My name Jeez. is Brando. Jeez is right, Vicki Hamilton. Uh, Starting off the first one in the 500s, right? Yeah, 400s, almost 500s. 401, oh, yes. Well, and uh, with me, which we'll see for how long, for the second time is my new co-host, Harrison Rex, strapped to my chest. Let's show the face to Zoom. I know it's not exactly the best thing to have a newborn. Well, you ha- you have to show the onesie too because it like. Oh, then I gotta take him out of my strap. It's a sweet child. Oh. I I'm posting a picture on social media where it says "sweet child okay. of mine." My wife's in within an earshot, but I don't know. It, it could... Like I said, it gives new meaning to "sweet child of mine," doesn't it? Right. And yeah, I figure because I I want him to be raised by radio, like I was. And perhaps, like, let's just say we, we're going to have a great conversation anyway about your book and your uh, your management and, and, and a lot of things. There's a new series on Paramount Plus. Uh, but if none of those peak a fancy, maybe we'll get a viral moment because he's already crapped on me today. He threw up formula <laughs> on my wife already today. So we'll see what happens. See What, what happens. are the little skull things? Is that one of his toys or one of no, yours? One of my, I know, it's one of my toys. He has the right dad. He has so many toys. And as he gets yeah. older, I already got him. I was in because he's starting to grab a little bit. I got him a rattle microphone. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. You're totally prepping him. I know. And watch, he's going to hate radio. He's going to, I don't know, but we'll, we'll see what happens. So let me just get him locked in here because he's in the phase where his head isn't exactly completely secure yet. He is... Uh, Five weeks? Five weeks wow. old? Yeah. So it's brand new. Yeah. Fresh, fresh brand new. So anyway, Vicki Hamilton, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you thank for making you. time. It's crazy because you mentioned, I, and I mentioned 401 episodes. You were on episode 11, number 11, way back. Wow. That was your first appearance. And then episode uh, 147. So thank you for being a three timer. And <laughs> you've been so busy and I, you know what i think i want to start with a, a, a fan because a lot of people are excited to talk to you again yeah i know you're excited to talk to you his first words are going to be appetite for dysfunction the name of your book he's <laughs> okay cool yeah we'll see if he's not your podcast no then I, I want him to be catered to the guest just like i do <laughs> okay <laughs> uh so this is from alan uh mcclay I love Vicky. That lady doesn't get the credit she deserves. She put up with some shit in those early days. The band would have made it anyhow, but she did everything she could for those boys. You know what, no. though? I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a question I can ask because I, I I saw well, a reverse comment. Yes, that, probably, but, okay. you know, I, like, kept an eye on them because, you know, they could have probably OD'd during that time period if <laughs> I wasn't watching them so close, but... um. So appropriate. Yeah, they, they would have like definitely musically made it for sure. Okay, okay. Because I saw another. I can't find it now, but oh, you know what? It's from. Um, it's also a very nice comment, but it has a different point of view. This is from Marie on Twitter. She is the helping hand that opened the door for Guns N' Roses. She put them in touch with the right people, the right management. If it wasn't for her, oh no, you couldn't do it. Oh, he's upset. He's upset. He's upset that Vicky got fired from Guns N' Roses <laughs> all these years later. Oh. Now you're going to calm? You're going to calm down? And don't worry. We're going to edit this out if it gets crazy. A little cry, a little background, I think, is, is okay. Can you, you calm down yet? Okay, he's okay. Uh, Maria said that if it wasn't for her, Guns N' Roses would be just of one of the moderate bands out there of the 47 rock bands out of the 80s. So she feels different that maybe they would have fell by the wayside if it wasn't for you. But you don't feel that well, way. No, I mean, you know, I worked Motley Crue as a management consultant and Poison as a manager and Guns N' Roses as a manager and Faster Pussycat. 
but you know i feel like those bands in particular really knew how to craft a good anthem song you know and it's like uh there were like so many in the hair days that you know got record deals even and but didn't crack through you know i mean it had a lot to do with their songwriting you know they oh. all wrote good songs ultimately right on so obviously we're i love hearing your perspective uh you have a lot to say uh you the the book came out appetite for the dysfunction in 2016 but you've you put out the audio version is that brand new when did that become available yeah it came out in i think february and i recorded it over the christmas break which was <laughs> kind of interesting i mean i haven't actually listened to the whole thing yet i went on to like uh one of the platforms and listened to a, a few minutes of it it's like i don't like to listen to myself read it's weird but um uh, maybe it's not weird like i had a conversation with diane keaton one time she said she never saw any of her films like it kind of wigs her out you know so i don't know maybe that isn't strange it isn't strange because i'm in radio and podcasting and i don't like the sound of my voice in my head i'm always like i sound like the male fran drescher oh mr shuffield and like i guess with <laughs> i i hear the long islandy jew in my voice uh that's but that's just me i'm being hard on myself so it's but no. the actual experience of doing it was great like you know i worked with this great guy and he like every time I pronounced a word wrong, he's like, "Okay, let's go pick that up." And mm. you know, he was like uh, very patient with me. You know, <laughs> was it like was it a different other than just the obvious of one's a book and when you're talking, uh, writing versus audible? How was it emotionally then? Because I'm sure a lot of you went through a lot of experience when you first put your story together in book form, but now you're yeah. saying these things out loud. Was it different in that respect? Um, yeah, it brought up some of the triggers for me, you know, especially the uh, quotations from different people. Mm. But, uh, you know, and, and I hadn't like actually read my book in a few years. So, you know, at the end of it, I went, wow, this is kind of a good ride. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you know you made a great book. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, I had three people help me edit it. You know, um, my friend Peter Margolis being the main one, you know, and he was a musician in a band called Stainless Steel back then. And he does a lot of award shows now and things. And perhaps a little more opinionated than me, you know, like I like just try and tell the stories and let people decide for themselves, you know, good or bad or indifferent, you know, Peter definitely had his own take on things. So I had to go back and re-edit some of the stuff that he did. And then Catherine Truman like uh, helped edit it as well. Um, she, is a journalist so she had sort of a different take on it and then denny anderson who like typeset the book with the pictures and all that did the final edit you know so um i i'm an okay writer but those people really sort of rose to the occasion and made it a great book you know did now there's like a lot of interest in it as a film and a TV series. I'm working with this writer, PJ Wolf, and we like put together sort of a proof of concept Bible and a uh, first episode. And, you know, people are really enjoying it. So, you know, we'll see. Maybe it'll. And also, I think the success of like Daisy Jones and the Six is like sort of brought back the uh, maybe other music series can happen and do well you know in the this... series person is fictionalized so it's not my exact story but oh um, i see you know could that, be fun i think i would imagine so th this is going to be different than the documentary series you were telling me that's coming out on paramount yeah, plus the, the series that's coming out in mid-july is called i want to rock and um it's coming out on paramount plus and it was uh 
directed by um, Tyler Minson, who's done several documentaries, including I Want My MTV. Um, I love him to death. He's amazing. And, um, you know, I feel like it's really my true story, you know, as a manager. Like, you know, I've done hundreds of interviews and I've done a lot of like MTV, VH1 type things. But for some reason, he like really told the story how I wanted it to be told and it's edited really well. And there's like clips of the bands and like, you know, with Guns N' Roses, there's like the the Geffen contract and like the advance check and interviews with the band from that period of time, you know, on video and my interviews and it all just, uh, you know, comes together the right way. Like, you know, to me, it makes it my piece of that history undeniable, you mm. know, what would and it kind of did like a past present, you know, you know, what are they doing now? Like they're, they're following like basically six people from the eighties into what they're doing now. And I'm one of them. Most of them are like rock stars. Like it's uh snake from Skid Row and uh, Janet from Vixen and uh, John Karabi, who was, you know, he had the scream and then, you know, was in Motley Crue mm -hmm. for a minute. And, um, see and me and uh there's like uh d snyder's in it That's of course what they call it. i want to rock <laughs> oh, okay and, uh, um ricky rackman and uh um catherine truman um you oh. know jonathan daniels you know it's like a lot of people that had success in the 80s and is, are still doing music now, you know, in some capacity or like Janice, like a dental hygienist or I don't know, maybe she's a dentist. I don't know. But it starts out like with her, like in in the dentist office and it's just a big light and it says, open up and say, ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's clever. See, that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's edited really well. It tells a really compelling story and like real stories, you know, it's not like this bullshit sort of thing, you know? Well, I um, guess with that, so what do you mean? Because that's been the, the benefit of having these streaming services where you could tell a story where it's not fit, you know, just for a half an hour, just for an hour. You can expand and do whatever. It's because the MTV VH1 interviews they've been edited down or watered down like or uh they twisted your words uh what what makes uh, them bullshit no, I guess. it really kind of depends who interviews you i find you know it's like if you like them you're a little more open mm. with it you know and we'll tell them better stories like i've had it both ways i've had like people that are good at interviewing people like yourself, like you care and you like to love Guns N' Roses and it comes across that you do, you know? And then like, I did this one interview about, I think it was just Brett Michaels and not Poison or whatever, but the guy was just like kind of angry and like really quick with me. And it's like, I was just like, oh my God, just get me off this as soon as possible. <laughs> you know? I just can't imagine so. that, you know, that's, it's, I, it's funny, my, my real radio job, I'm a kind of on the opposite end where instead of doing the interviews, I'm listening to people do interviews with celebrities and it's my job to connect them. It's, I'm like the old Lily Tomlin skit. Like if you look to my left right here, there's a whole board. I have a phone back here. I can connect people, uh, radio stations to a guest. Actually, I was supposed to do one, but it was canceled with uh, Steve Howe of Yes. That was supposed to happen today. Oh, you know who else is on it? Kip Winger. I knew I was forgetting somebody major. Kip Winger. That's <laughs> funny. Most of the names, like 80% of the names you mentioned have been uh, guests on, on this show. But yeah, Kip, cool. You know, it's Kip is interesting because we had a great time, but then there's a certain excerpt of the interview that gets picked up and it's not about their new album or whatever they're promoting. And then that person gets mad at me for asking the question, even though it's within the confines of the conversation like you and I are having right now. I asked you before, 
anything you don't want to talk about and I don't know. It's like I'm always afraid to ask certain questions because blabbermouth or ultimate. It's I don't want to say any name in specific. I guess I mean blabbermouth uh, doesn't matter. They know, but just to avoid talking about certain things. And I know Guns N' Roses is a hot topic, so it's uh, that's why I care because it's not just I care about the material. I care about the guest and making them comfortable. Because okay, can I can I talk about? Stuff and slash for a minute, please. <laughs> I mean, it's. So I went to see Iggy Pop at the Palladium, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Duff was in the Losers, which is the Iggy band that toured. And you know, I'm friends with Jamie Hintz, who also played guitar in the Losers, and um, it was so phenomenal. I just want to say, you know, it was like. Duff has always been sort of a punk rocker, but when he was up there with with uh, Iggy, it was like he was just like in his element so hard. Like, you know, I saw Duff go to like a childlike place where he's like, oh, my God, I'm playing with one of my idols. And I know that that's how Jamie, fe- you know, felt because he told me, you know, he like was like in awe that he got to do that, you know. Um, and Slash came out and did, you know, I want to be your dog with them. And, you know, Iggy didn't announce him or anything. And all of a sudden the whole crowd just like sort of lit up with cameras and I was one of them. I got it. But um, it was just incredible, you know. That that was very cool uh, a moment because they I know they're they've done I Want to Be Your Dog uh, recently in, in concert. I think now they're doing another um, Stooges cover, another Iggy cover. Um, but so I guess let me ask because I've had Matt Sorum on before, and he was saying, and it's no no secret, Duff has talked about this. I mean, huge kudos to him to being for being so vocal recently about mental health. Last month was a Mental Health Awareness Month, and he put out some acoustic songs to help support the cause. But Matt Sorum said he thought, and, and you know what, Doug Goldstein, same thing. He said he thought Duff was going to die any day. So what is it like to you when you see him now, how well he's doing now? And you knew him way back when. Yeah, I mean, he definitely liked his alcohol back in the day. But, you know, he's really fit and together, you know. My wife thinks he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I'm sorry, I honey. I have a girlfriend that, like, you know, doesn't care that he's married, you know, and stuff. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but, but to get in there with him. I mean, you know, I mean... I think his wife's name Susan. She's lovely. Yeah, she's know? been on the podcast a couple of times, and she's equally yeah. as hot. So they, they deserve yeah, each yeah. other. I mean, so oh. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. Duff doesn't strike me as the type that cheats, but uh, no, not at all. He certainly could anytime he wanted to, you know. Uh, but um, no, he's like a role model compared to what the band used to be during your era. It just seemed like there was just all chaos, and now. Here's the thought. Like, I'm such a Guns N' Roses fans fan. Like with him, I'm like, did did Slash go through this when he had his kids? Did he put on the top hat and change a diaper? But when you just think about all these years ago, you know, Matt Sorum, yeah. speaking of, he gave me a baby swaddling uh, advice. You know, when I had him yeah. on, here's what you do. <laughs> That's cool. And uh, it was in the same episode with um, Rick Allen from Def Leppard, and he's like, if this was 20, 30 years ago. We would not be talking about. The one thing I remember about Slash and his kids was when he got his star on Hollywood Boulevard. They were both there, and they were still pretty little at that time. But you know, they were they were just kind of in awe of like dads getting the star on Hollywood Boulevard, and (laughs) they were like so cute, you know, Cash and London. And now, you know, London has his own band, you know, Mm -hmm. so he's. I don't know. Both the boys are very cute. And then they and they remind me of Slash, you know, like when I managed him, they have that sort of look about them, you know. Well, that's cool. And I've been lucky enough to have London on a couple of times in his new band, oh, cool. uh, St. Electric. Uh, you answered that within like the stories you're telling now, because people are like, oh, does she still talk to anybody? They always ask that about if I had anybody, you know, pre- who's not in current Guns N' Roses. So I know you still talk to Slash Duff. I, th- I believe yeah, you're still I pretty good st- friends Slash with Stephen Adler. Slash after that Iggy thing, and you know he he said he really enjoyed himself, and you know that he had a good time, and 
you know, I could just see it on Duff's face. I don't even need to ask him. <laughs> what about but, uh, uh? Yeah, yeah, I had stage passes no. afterwards. Oh. Slash like took off, so I didn't like get to see him. But um, okay. Yeah. After all these years, you're you're not sick of going to concerts. No, I mean, you know, and I'm I'm always happy to support people that I know and love, you mm -hmm. know. It's like um, you know, Jamie's in the kills and it was like, you know, he loves the kills, you know, but it was just like a different vibe to see him play with Iggy too, you know. It's like you could tell that they were all going back to like when they were young and like listening to those records and iggy himself was like incredible like i had saw i saw iggy like i don't know i think it was maybe 10 or 15 years ago and he was still stage diving i mean it was like insane and i was like backstage at that show and uh you know i met jack black backstage and you know he was like going off about how iggy was like so incredible and stuff it's just you know iggy's iconic yeah and i just want to say that the stage passes had you know a cock and balls on them it was like drawn out like you know very punk rock so it's like he doesn't ever lose that you know punk rock edge i love you know? it oh i love it that's 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 a, definitely a trip uh and i know because you have pictures with stephen adler holding your book are you still yeah. uh, still talk to him still friendly with him I haven't seen him in a while, but yeah, you know, I love talking to Steven, you know. Um, he's played the whiskey a few times, and both times I've, like, been out of town the last couple of gigs. But um, I work with this band called Outlaws and Moonshine, and the whiskey told me the next time that he comes through that, you know, they'll give them a support. <laughs> so hopefully I'll see the next time he comes through, you know. Okay. I saw that he's doing artwork, which is kind of interesting because I never knew him to do that, you know, so. Hey, wouldn't be the, the first musician to do it. And I think anything that a way to express himself, I think, is fantastic artistically. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and you could plead the, the fifth, but I mean, it's kind of like having, um, you know, a sports show and a former manager. You know, how, what would you do if you were in the band today? I mean, do you, how do you feel, I guess, by Steven not being involved but he's playing you know it's not like he's still struggling well, you to know i kind of feel like you know every time you take a band member out of the band you lose a piece of the magic i mean like matt sorm's a great drummer and uh he's just not steven's a very stylistic drummer and i think he added something that matt didn't add you know matt's more like a powerhouse drummer and steven's like a stylistic drummer and i don't know i miss steven you know as somebody who you know this reunion of sorts i mean this was my first time being able to see axel and slash on stage together i mean off of course but i never got to see the magic that you saw and just knowing that they'll never are, be that They'll never be that again. I mean, you know, they're a lot older, first of all. I mean, Axel used to do that thing where, you know, he'd go down on his knees and back and forth on his knees and stuff. I mean, physically, I'm just sure he couldn't do that now, you know? Well, yeah, I understand that, but just to have, like, yeah. a, knowing that they're all alive, I guess, you know? For, yeah, that's pretty incredible in itself, isn't it? <laughs> It, it really is. It really is. I, I would have bet against Keith Richards being as old as he is now, but, uh, right. you know, uh, I guess those blood transfusions are working. <laughs> and that lends itself to another uh, question. Where's Izzy? I mean, nobody knows. I mean, we talked about the other members. This is from Rafael Tavares. Any idea where Izzy is? Um, just... um, yeah, I think he's... In Ojai is where I think he is, but okay. you know, I don't have any proof of that. But that's what I've heard. And there have been rumors that he's going to put out a Juju Hounds or new record because there there was a studio that posted that he should. You know, right? I mean, okay, I'm probably going to get some shit for this, but you know, in my mind, is he the best writer of the band? You know, so. When I've had Alan Niven on, he said the same thing. He calls yeah. he calls Izzy the 
the the soul of the heart of something like that. One of the Allenisms that he he comes up with. Uh, but he's a huge Izzy guy. But that actually lends me to make a transition here. Uh, I don't know if you were aware. I was working on a book, uh, Doug Goldstein's book, and you know I want to be diplomatic about it because I think he's a, he's a nice guy. He was on the show a lot. I guess he the summarize a little bit. He kind of bailed when there was like from the publisher when there was pushback that I was not an author, even though just like you, I wanted editors, anyone who wants to help. But Doug came to me to write this book. Uh, but he kind of just got scared off. But I think an, enough time has passed for me to read an excerpt that he wrote about you. And this is all nice. So this is nothing. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to hurt anybody. <laughs> okay, let's hear it. Uh, where is it? Vicky? I mean, I, I didn't really know him very well, so it'll be interesting. Oh, so and this is like harmless. So I don't even mind reading okay. on this. Uh, the never to be published uh, Goldstein uh, autobiography. Uh, Alan wasn't Guns N' Roses' first manager. I get a real problem with poor Vicki Hamilton getting fucked the way that she did. Uh, Tom Zutant from Geffen said, Look, you have to get a different manager than Vicky or I'm not signing. He thought that she didn't have any experience, that she was L.A.-based only, and couldn't take it to the next level. And so they interviewed anybody, everybody. That sounds accurate, what Doug was saying? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... So he gives you credit, which you deserve. And everyone says that. Everyone who knows your story knows you deserve all, all the credit in the world. And you probably know that Tom is selling cars in uh, <laughs> Georgia. <now>. I do. <laughs> so I own my own record company. I'm doing my own management company. I've kind of stayed in the game, you know. Um, you know, I don't know why Tom, 35 years, 40 years later, you know, still has a bone for me. You know, it's like. He's the one that got all the credit from it at Geffen. So why? I don't know. It just it just seems weird. Well, that's why I like. I mean, there are things I can say, but I just don't want to say it because I just don't want to like, you know, get well, into it. But, oh, I understood. And it was more mainly yeah. being like, here's somebody, Doug, who's in the trenches and, and knows it. I mean, this is somebody post who could have been like, oh, yeah, I took it to all these heights, Guns N' Roses. They were all me, me, me. No, he took time, albeit and not enough. It was only a paragraph to be like, Vicky got screwed over. She got fucked over. Um, well, if you speak to him, tell him I appreciate that and nice of him to say it, you know. <laughs> I, 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 I certainly will. But, uh, you know, it's like you know the bargaining chip was that i would get an a and r job at geffen and you know i got the street scouting gig there i wasn't really fired from guns and roses i kind of helped made my own choice that i wanted to do a and r but um okay if they want to look at it like that. <laughs> before we turn to the uh, your management company dark spark this is just the last uh, question about not a member but a member of the GNR family and a chance for me to bring it up on the podcast but Robert John the oh, famed I was going to bring that up actually please I do mean, do you know how he's doing he had a, a stroke he started recently? therapy and you know I hear that it's going well I'm going to try and go see him but he lives like down by San Diego now so it's a little bit of a hike for me but um, yeah I mean there is a uh, GoFundMe to like help him financially, which I shared on my Facebook page, and um, I think it's under GoFundMe Robert's heart attack. I want to say heart attack. Okay. Um, you know, it would be great if the Guns N' Roses fans would get behind that because I can guarantee that you know. 50% of at least of the photos of Guns N' Roses that you all love are photos that Robert took. I mean, he's such an incredible photographer, great guy. And uh, I don't know, it, it, it really hurts my heart that that happened to him, you know, but I'm hoping that he's going to make a full recovery and get back out there and shoot some photos. I mean, he shot he shot the photograph of me on the back of my book. I mean, I love okay 
Robert is a photographer and, you know, I've shot with him several times myself. And he like did all of the great motorhead shots, you know, he and Lemmy were very tight. And uh, I don't know, he just had his own and still does. So let's not talk about him in past tense. He, he has his own style of photographing. I mean, it's very dark. Like he usually shoots on a black background or whatever, but hmm. I just think that, you know, his photographs are art. And if you can like help him, you know, five, ten dollars would make a big difference, you know, for he and his wife and, you know, the kids and because it's it's going to be a long road back, you know. And so. I, I need to thank you, Narcus, for sharing that, but for sharing that link. And since we're friends on Facebook, I saw that and shared it, and then it kind of spread a lot. Um, the, uh, the GoFundMe, yes, Robert's uh, heart attack. And so far, they have 6105 of their $10,000 goal. Uh, I think we can get higher, but I had a lot of listeners who donated or at least just sharing the word. I know times are tough out there, uh, but just keep spreading the word. Uh, it, it is up on my Twitter and uh, and Facebook if you know if you can't find Vicky's. But yeah, just go to GoFundMe, Robert's Heart Attack, organized by Christian uh, Perez. So yeah, I'm, I definitely want to take a few moments to talk about him. So thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, not the easiest transition, but <laughs> what is the latest with, with you as far as your, your management company, Dark Spark, and, and what you have going on, what bands uh, that you're currently working with? Um, well, this Friday, I have a new record coming out with a new rock band called Mother Wind from uh, Eau Claire, Wisconsin, who I just think are phenomenal. You know, it's like... I went to Wisconsin like a month ago and it's like their shows, it's like you, it, they're all so entertaining. It's hard to pick which one to like look at, you know, like the drummer is like super entertaining, you know, it's like if you can't see him behind the singer, you're like, okay, I feel like I'm missing out when I can't see him, you know, and the singer you know not only is he gorgeous and like super talented it's like this man has like chords like nobody's business you know but this song's called Kaching. it's about money and it's it's pretty clever and fun you know um they're getting ready to record again next week so um that's mother wind and uh Let's see who else. Sun from Paris, France, who uh, is female fronted and, you know, they call their music brutal pop. And it starts out kind of poppy, but then she goes into like this like crazy ass screamo. It's hard to believe that that sound comes out of such a sweet girl. <laughs> is it Sun as in my son Harrison or the sun in the sky? Sun in the sky. Okay. And it's like, if you're looking at it on Spotify, it's Sun and Capital Records, and then, I mean, Capital Letters, and <laughs> then um, Brutal Pop in parentheses afterwards, because there's like a kazillion Suns, as you could imagine, but um, that's how you can find them, is Sun, Brutal Pop. Um, the most current single is John and I, and, um, it's a song about money too. Funny that I'm like releasing all these songs about money, but <laughs> I guess it's on my mom. I, I can always, um, always. It's on, it's on my band's minds for sure. So, is there a common trend you can, or a theme, or a commonality that you see within rock bands now? Because obviously, you, you, we were talking about this documentary that's coming out in Paramount Plus in, in July, where it's about '80s Sunset Strip. You can draw, you know. Um, linear and find commonalities between bands then you know whether it's the spandex or whatever musically anything you see now because we're getting brutal pop we're getting so many different subgenres than there were right. before is there anything that you see in the rock and roll in, in the youth of rock and roll that's coming out that's still coming up gosh you know i i think i would classify it as alternative rock instead of like you know, rock, rock or mm -hmm. 
cock rock. I mean, there's a great band that I just saw last week called The Cox, and they have a gay lead singer. And, you know, I stood in line like 10 minutes to buy a T-shirt. And after the show, I said to him, you know, you need to make a shirt that says giving new meaning to cock rock because like Butch Walker and all those guys from the hair bands in the 80s used to call what they did cock rock. Sure. But, um you know, I, I would call it alternative rock. It's okay. a, it doesn't seem to be like the rock that I did in the 80s, although there are a few of those, too. Like that band, was, what are they called, Gunshine or something? They're going out with uh, um, Steel Panther, I think. Okay. Or, Who's yeah. on America's Got Talent? <laughs> yeah, right? I mean... What a trip that is. Like, yeah. What do you think about them? Because they're obviously, they're playing the music that was then, but they're making, giving a new spin on it. Do you like their what they do, their their gimmick? I, I have to say I haven't heard their new material. Like, you know, somebody was saying to me yesterday that their new songs are really quite good. And I said, oh, I need to, like, check it out. I haven't seen them in a few years. You know, I used to go a lot when they were called... Uh, what was it? Metal something. Um, well, Ralph's been around forever. You know, he did the Van Halen cover band and then, you know, right. um, metal school. I oh, think is what okay. They were called ultimate, you know, in the beginning. And then, you know, it became Steel Panther. And then it seemed like they were sort of like ripping on all the bands that I worked. <laughs> I didn't find it as funny as most people because, you know, right. I don't know. You know, I felt like they were like sort of ripping bands creativity and sometimes they can get like kind of mean towards groupies and things like that. And I, I don't like that in rock music. I don't like it in rap music, that pimps and hoes thing. It's like, You've got to respect women, you know. You wouldn't be here if it wasn't for women, okay? It is very true. <laughs> it is very true. It's like, you know, don't give women a bad rap, you know. Um, but, you know, there's a, certainly a place for Steel Panther. And, uh, you know, comedy is majorly needed these days after three years of pandemic. And yeah know everything that's happened so you know i'm for it you know i know we've talked about this uh the previous interviews but i mean they're so long ago i with him this little guy i don't remember an hour ago uh but just to reflect on that time the 80s and you're still you're championing that time which for me i'm going to be 40 in uh, in september i didn't get to live that obviously east coast anyway but that time, that era wasn't very kind to women. And no. you you were in it. You were really in it. You had mentioned that that was, if not the main reason why you felt that you weren't taken by Tom along with Guns N' Roses. Not that you didn't have the L.A. experience, was uh, just L.A. experience, that you were a woman. That was one of the reasons. Have, have you seen things change now are things different are you well, still fighting how do you feel about what yeah i mean you know i'd like to think that i've helped sort of knock down the glass ceiling or kicked it down a bit you know it's like there are more female managers for sure you know and a lot of it people and marketing people that do music um and I, you know and i try and champion female artists too you know it's like I have Sun right now, and I'm getting ready to put out a track with Astrid Young, who's Neil Young's sister. Um, you know, it's like women, or what's that that line? Women hold up half the sky. You know, it's like I think women, and quite frankly, I think women make better managers than men because they are so. Uh, nurturing and detail oriented, you know. I would say that women and gays make the best managers. <laughs> I, I can see that absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't do it. Uh, another question I got for you, uh, Danny Bigelow. 
any bands from the 80s that you feel should have gone to the next level, but for whatever reason they didn't, that perhaps oh, listeners yeah, could get... a lot. Yeah, so if you can think of maybe just a few, you know, one or two that are still maybe around that we can go back and we can listen to and being like, whoa, how did they miss? Jet Boy, for sure, okay. should have been huge. Um, let's see. Uh... Well, I did a band called I Napoleon that I thought made an incredible record. Um, Randio, either in Odin or Lost Boys, should have had more success than he did, and I like managed him as well for a while. Um, who else? Um, I did a band from New York called. Uh, uh, Valerie Angel. Did you ever hear of her? I mean, you're no. maybe too young, but she she had a credible voice and like a blues rock sort of vibe about her that was really great. And yeah, I don't know what happened to her, you know, but she was great. Half Halfway Home, another band that I like worked with, should have done well. Hmm. Oh, Lions and Ghosts amazing rick parker was the front man of that band and michael lockwood was the guitar player uh you know they had a record on emi two records on emi and then i did a solo record with rick parker now he's like a major uh record producer and he's worked with a band called lovely world that i work with um who else there were many, you know. It's hard to say. Well, you, you gave a good list there, and uh, Shark you're... Island. How about okay? You know, Axel took a lot of things from Richard Black. I mean, his stage moves and things, but you know, they were big in the '80s. You know. Okay. See, this is why I love talking to you, and I'm looking forward to the documentary. It's just because there's so much still to be found out about that time, and too much of the the hair metal on just painting with a broad brush and people get like i guess it's the whole decline of western civilization part two thing there were there's talent there but there in, in some bands others there were not but there's just so so much to learn and, and to find out about and and actually because danny has a, a really interesting follow-up question that i never thought about speaking of the sunset strip uh, do you have any memory of musicians kicking around the strip that in the 80s that went on to bigger things in the 90s? He gives examples like Rivers Cuomo from Weezer, Tori Amos, and Jeff Buckley. Any memories of people like that that weren't necessarily 80s artists but were hanging out in the Sunset Strip that eventually made it big? Mm, I'm sure there were, well, Perry Farrell for sure. Okay. You know, Jane's Addiction. Uh, you know, Perry Farrell, when Jane's Addiction first started, was uh, sharing a house with Lions and Ghosts that they rehearsed in. And uh, Lions and Ghosts wrote a song called The Wiltern House about that house. <laughs> you know, it was a great song. I loved it. Um, uh Well, the dad of one of the kids from BRMC was like in that sort of like 80 scene and you know he brought the kids you know down from san francisco and like they came to my june carter cast show at the troubadour and we're like backstage and they were talking about how all that music had like influenced them and you know so i'm sure it had something to do with their success you know okay and I got to see, Danny, you're lucky you're getting your third question in. Just because you you mentioned June Carter Cash, uh, oh. <laughs> that you were friends with her. So he wants to know when you saw Johnny Cash's Hurt video for the first time, what was your reaction? And perhaps was it hard uh, to watch? It's still hard for me to watch because she, she died soon after that. And, uh, you know... June was like a mother to me, you know, it's like I made that record with her that won a Grammy, um, you know, it was the first and only record on my first record label called Small Hairy Dog. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem like they're gone to me, June and John, you know, it's like 
I feel like they like give me messages from the beyond and stuff. I know that sounds crazy, but I'll be like in the grocery store and I'll hear like a music version of, you know, John Johnny Cash or whatever. And I'm still friends with John Carter Cash. So, okay. you know, I get to go to the cash cabin and hang out. Like I've done some recording there recently with an, a country artist and, you know, their spirits still live and walk those grounds as far as i'm concerned you know um and john carter's turned in like a phenomenal producer and like you know nashville royalty as far as producing goes i think uh it's weird it's like nashville sort of has a mini la vibe these days it's like all the like 80s rockers like well, not all, but a lot of them moved to Nashville so that they can still do power ballads. <laughs> <laughs> and I like Nashville. I don't think I would ever move there, but I do like Nashville. You know, I, w- I want to visit. I mean, I guess here I'm so many wonderful things about just I'm not a country guy, but I love the vibe and, and just the friendliness of that, you know, of musicians that seem to come from there. It just seems like it would just be a lot of fun. So maybe when he gets old enough, I'll, I'll bring him down there. Yeah, it's like I love the basement, the downtown basement, you know, grimy Mike Grimes that sort of made that place come up. Uh, he's an amazing person. And they do a thing called, uh, what is it, New Face Night, I think? Yeah, New Face Night. And they do like five new acts and... Uh, it's free and that's like always a good time you know there's a lot of new clubs like bowie's that's like cool there too a lot going on there there's like the best karaoke bar ever there which is like two double wide trailers and like a tea sort of scenario called santa's and it's like done up like christmas you know 24 7 and the guy that runs its name is santa and he looks like santa claus and all these phenomenal singers because you know singers all moved to nashville and they do those like players in the round and all that stuff and you know when they sing karaoke it's amazing you know so it's always like a great time and they serve like generic beers and whatever every time i go to nashville so i go to santos i love it okay there. that's the kind of karaoke i like i used to be yeah. all about it but now i'm like why am i listening to other people who are terrible at singing and i am yeah terrible. yeah I, if, right. if there's a talent there then yeah that's that's a great time I mean, I think if you sat there a few nights a week, you would find like the next Patsy Cline or somebody, hmm. you know, because they're like all singing crazy and all, you know, all those country songs. It's, uh, or even like the, well, there's like a lot of different kind of country now too. There's like that uh, new country and then there's the old country and, <laughs> and then there's like the pop country. It, <laughs> it's like, it's like rock all, going on there. all the subgenres and things coming yeah yeah totally it's so it's it's awesome that you're you're keeping up with the the joneses i mean i say. love outlaw country it's like you know if there was a johnny cash to be had i'd be the first one to sign up for it you know i as somebody who i'm not a country person that's the country though i do like the johnny cash yeah uh hank three hank williams the yeah, third yeah. as i think it was i heard it my friend called it cow punk I don't know if I'm yeah, like blackberry smoke is yeah. amazing. There's like you know, shooter Jennings is quite good as well. You know, there's like a lot of upcoming country people that are like great, and you know, Guns N' Roses is taking Carrie Underwood on tour. So what about that? Right. <laughs> so let me ask because I don't want to keep you here forever. I mean. Because I know you, you still hang out with what you know. You used to speak to Slash and, and Duff. You've seen current Guns N' Roses. Uh, is there a relationship at all with Axel anymore? With me? No. Yeah. I didn't think but, so. You no, know, I haven't talked to him since like early '90s, probably. Um, so if you and you don't, you can plead the fifth. You know, pass what 
what happened there? I know you address it in your your book, but because this question just came up, uh, so it's almost like live radio on my Facebook. Raphael Salinas, uh, which Axel mentioned, like the the lawsuit, like, is it something that you could talk about uh, when you sue Guns N' Roses and uh, Axel. Well, you know, I, I sued them because I borrowed twenty five thousand dollars from Howie Huberman to like buy you know gear and clothes and things for them and it was coming up on the limit of statutation and i didn't want to like be holding the bag for that 25 grand you know it was like so you know i settled with the band and you know they paid half of it and i think geffen paid the other half but you know it was a ballsy move, but, you know, it's like, and I was working at Geffen at the time, so, but, you know, it's like I didn't want to hold the bag for that cash, you know? I get it. So is that what caused the friction with, with Axel? I mean, because it seems like he's from the no, Alpine. No, I okay. can't, like, you know, I think I have an idea of what really happened. I don't even completely know, you know? I mean, you know, there was a time when we went to dinner at the rainbow and you know i said let me like try and you know find a management partner and maybe you know i can stay with the band and you know we met with uh doc mcgee and doug thaler and a couple of them were like nodding off at the the conference table and you know Doug walked me outside afterwards and said, you know, Vicky, we love you. We love this band, but we have Motley Crue here. <laughs> we don't want another one of these, <laughs> you know? So, you know, that happened. And then, you know, Tom was like, you know, they, he wanted them to have a male manager. You know, they didn't have a manager for like a year after that deal went down. It's like, you know, Alan Niven didn't come into the picture until the record was done, you know? So it was like, they were lawless for a long time, hmm. Guns N' Roses. Um, you know, and it's like, I signed Faster Pussycat after Guns N' Roses and their record came out first, you know? It's like, <laughs> it was a long, long time, so. Um, and there was like a scenario, you know, that Axel, you know, didn't like something I said about one of his family members. And I think that probably played a part in it. But um, I don't exactly know exactly what happened. Because you know? from, a, from a fan perspective, it just looks like he's a different person. He's not the angry Axel that became famous he seems like just a calmer subdued more mature and you just hope just going back earlier in the conversation whether it's not doesn't have to hey, be well if he called me i would pick up the phone and okay. you know Slash has said that he's a different person too you know so okay i mean I, I tend to believe that he has probably grown up but i haven't spoken to him since okay. the early 90s, so i don't have any real sense of what's going on there you know um i gotcha i gotcha no i appreciate you uh you sharing that it's I, I, the question that just came in and I, you know what because like, i had never asked you about that i as i mentioned before i tried to avoid problem areas this is just a fun conversation i'm not trying to dig up dirt uh i leave okay, that to your you book got? give me your best shot here <laughs> no that, i mean that's pretty much it everyone wants to know okay. about axel rose i mean that's always the thing right, it's, yeah. uh, so it's um, what do they want to know no that's what it was about it was the, the, oh, okay. the lawsuit that's all it was oh, okay. um, and yeah. if, whether you still spoke and my my brain also went there because speaking of old country now they they cover wichita lineman from uh glenn campbell and it's just like you know again this is subdued axel who's just I don't know. I would love to talk more to him. Approachable. You know, I would like welcome a phone call from him. You know, it's like, you know, I'm 65 now. It's like, I don't hold any animosity towards him. You know, it's like we were kids, you know, right. and it's like, you know, it took me a long time to get past that and a lot of therapy and stuff. And I was afraid of him for a while. Like, you know, he left a message on my answering machine like he was mad about something i said in some article and 
you know, he says, I always get what I want and, you know, I want your head or whatever it was, you know, it's like, okay, you know, you, you know, I didn't sign any like, uh, non-disclosure agreement about my relationship with them and, you know, nor do I ever with any of my bands. It's like my stories are my stories. And, uh, right. you know, if you don't want to like read about them, then don't do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I, I do. And that's the, so it's like, you yeah. know, treat people the way you want to be treated, you know? And I'm sure that Axel is not the same angry young man that I dealt with, you know, but, you know, at times he was very lovely, you know, he had like a very fun personality, you know, at times, you know, it wasn't always the angry bipolar crap. It was, you know, let's go have dinner. (laughs) I'll buy you a tattoo. Thanks for helping us. You know, it's like, I never got a tattoo. I'm pretty proud of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, me, me neither. I'm actually planning yeah, what I'm. Right. I'm planning what I'm going to get for him. His middle name. <laughs> his middle name is Rex, so I'll probably get a, a T-Rex somewhere on me. Uh, for him, and he fell asleep. He had, a, you know, he was. It was funny. Oh, I woke him up. It's welcome to the jungle. I, I, you can put a picture of his screaming face next to Axel's face and welcome to the jungle when he's strapped down and it's the same picture. <laughs> so Yeah, well, that comes from faces of death, I think. But <laughs> uh, Vicky, before I, last thing, what, what are you most excited about people to to discover about you? And it's VickyHamilton.com, right? Is it, do you want people to? Yeah. Is, uh, what's, um, yeah, what's the, what, buy what, the my document? Book, you know, buy my audio book. Tell me what you think of it. You know, there's a new chapter in it that is not in my book. I was going to ask you about that, too. Like, yeah, you must have wanted to add things and change things. Or I, no. uh, you know, it's like I could write a whole nother book now. You know, it was like, you know, running this record company, Dark Spark Music, through the orchard. It's like. It's such a different day in the music business with all this streaming and playlisting and, you know, how they go about marketing things. And, you know, it was a real learning curve for me because it's a whole different world, you know. You're going with it, though. I admire it. I mean, I I hope I'm in my career as long as you've been doing it and and still doing well and producing and still in demand i guess i think that's so cool yeah it's like i I look forward to like making a tv series or a movie and stuff you know it's like i'm always wanting to learn new things you know it's like you know rock music is always going to be my number one love probably but i try other things like i've got a guy named sergio that i'm doing right now that's like a dance artist and you know He's going to put a studio in my garage and, you know, we're going to make dance records. I think since the pandemic, you know, I think people want to dance and touch and, you know, have sex, all of that stuff. It's like, you know, I I see a whole Studio 54 era coming, you know, (laughs) and I want to, like, be a part of that, you know, okay. I like trying all kinds of records, you know. It's like I'm not just rock girl, you know. I I will do whatever I find interesting, you know. Awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to whatever your your next chapter, to, no pun intended, uh, is going to be. So, VickyHamilton.com, uh, Appetite for Dysfunction, the name of the book and the audio book. Yep. Because uh, even though it's you can buy it on Spotify, I mean, I saw it was on Spotify. I was like kind of horrified by that. <laughs> it <is. laughs> it's like for me, I don't have time to read books, but if I'm in a washing dishes and a car, love audio books, you know, it's like I personally want to hold a book and look at pictures and whatever, and you know. I wish I had the patience. My book from my website, mm. I will sign a book off to you and send it, and uh, you know. Oh, I love it. The audiobooks out there. I don't love my Kindle because the guy that laid out my Kindle, like, 
every time there was a picture it turned into like some kind of weird typo so i'm embarrassed by that but um well you know i have a kindle too that's something you know i'm so ocd that's something that would bother me too but in the grand scheme of things it should only be that and i don't want to forget the byline of a cautionary tale but i mean you're still kicking ass so i mean it's cautionary but it's also maybe a how-to book as well Or no, not or what the hell, what not to do? What not to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that makes more sense. I, I don't, let gun, don't let Guns and Roses come to live with you. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I can say. Oh, I'll end right there. This was uh, from John Bond Casey, DJ Hipsters on Twitter. That poor woman in her flat, you know, I was like, her yeah. flat? That's the English term, right? Her, her, yeah, yeah. With a crying emoji, laughing. Oh, I love it. So, Vicky, thank you. I hope to have you on again when your movie comes out after the documentary. Maybe we'll break it down. But uh, thank you for yeah, staying longer. Check out I Want to Rock. It's going to be great. It's a three-part series, so it's like three hours long, and it will be streaming on Paramount Plus hopefully mid-July. It's been coming out since January, so whenever they tell me a new release date, I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. But <laughs> Soon I've seen is the word. The episodes are done, so they're only working on the last one now, so it is coming shortly. Okay. Soon is the word, which you'll see in a second, yeah. is how I end my episodes. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Uh, if you want to get in questions, just like I was asking Vicky questions, uh, some couple guests I can tell you guys about uh, Steve Turner, a mud honey is coming to the podcast as well as geezer butler from black sabbath will be on the podcast as well so that's gonna be fun so that does it for this episode when will you see the next one in the words of axel rose concerning chinese democracy you'll see it i don't know if soon is the word thanks to the lame ass security i'm going home